Good evening. This is Patrick Donahue. We appreciate you listening every week to Bible Crossfire at this same time. You can call in with your Bible question or comment. We love to hear from you. We let callers have the priority. We do talk about what the Bible teaches on different subjects, but callers have the priority. And right now, the lines are wide open. Last week, we were talking about James 5, 19 and 20, which reads this way. Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. So this passage is written to brethren, brethren in Christ, Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1. It, it supposes one of these brethren, brethren errs from the truth, or as the New King James Version says, wanders from the truth. You have a little child that wanders from home. That means the child was at home and left home. So if this is talking to a brother who wanders from the truth, that means it was a brother in Christ who had the truth, a Christian, obviously. He wandered from the truth. The passage's main gist is to say us who are left as Christians are to try to convert him back because if we can convert him back, we save his soul from death. Not talking about physical death. It says save his soul from death, spiritual death. That implies that if we are unable to convert him back, here's a Christian that wanders from the truth, leaves the truth, if we're unable to convert him back, meaning he refuses to be converted back, his soul's going to die. He's going to be lost. Of course, this is one of dozens and dozens of passages in the Bible that prove clearly and conclusively that this doctrine of once saved, always saved is absolutely false. Here's a Christian that wanders from the truth. He's not converted back. His soul dies. He's lost. He's a Christian. He's saved. He loses his salvation. It's pretty simple. The only people who teach once saved, always saved are the people who are thinking, wishful thinking. They wish once saved, always saved is true. Therefore, they believe and teach that. It's because the Bible doesn't come anywhere close anywhere to teaching once saved, always saved. Now, so here's this passage, James 5, 19 and 20, is talking about a Christian who wonders or errs from the truth. What are some ways that a Christian might err from the truth? Now, before I go into that, let me mention again the number to call. If you have a Bible question or comment, call call us call in at 877-655-6755. If you have a Bible question or comment, you can get on the air. The lines are wide open right now. Call 65, excuse me, let me start again, 877-655-6755. 877-655-6755 is the number to call. What are some ways that a Christian can err from the truth or wonder from the truth. Well, what about a Christian? And I'm not talking about a pretender, a true Christian, somebody who's actually become a Christian and been saved and forgiven. What about a Christian who then later becomes gay, homosexual, or a preacher, a gospel preacher who starts teaching it's okay for a Christian to be gay? What does the Bible teach about that? Well, 1 Corinthians 6 verses 9 through 10 from the New King James Version says, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, or drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. So a Christian who becomes a homosexual or a sodomite, this says he will not inherit the kingdom of God. It doesn't say, well, since he was a Christian at one time, he's still going to inherit the kingdom of God, even though now he's a homosexual. It doesn't say that at all. He was a Christian at one time. Now he became a homosexual. He's not going to inherit the kingdom of God. He's not going to be saved. 
that's one way a Christian can err from the truth. He can become a homosexual or a preacher can start teaching that homosexual homosexuality is okay. That's one way a Christian can err from the truth and lose his soul, according to James 5, 19 and 20. What if he becomes a homosexual, for example? Danny from Tennessee, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. I just wanted to know your thoughts on uh, Armenian and Calvinism and where you stood. Well, you know, there's five points of Calvinism outlined right. in a very quick way. The ac- acrostic tulip, right? Yes. You, you familiar with that tulip? I am. T-U-L-I-P, total depravity, unconditional election, limited atonement, irresistible grace, perseverance of the saints. A quick way to represent Calvinism, and I believe the Bible teaches all five of those points are false. Now, between the, the basic underlying teaching of Calvinism that leads to all five of those points is their idea of predestination that you don't really have free will. You don't have a choice about whether or not you're going to serve the Lord and be a Christian. But Joshua twenty four fourteen, Joshua said, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and truth and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of Egypt and served you the Lord. And if it seemed evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve. So evidently people do have a choice about, it says, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So choose to either serve the idols, serve the Lord. People do have a choice about it. Danny, you got some follow-up on that? but, But when we go to the New Testament, and say like you're in Ephesians in chapter 1, when it talks in verse 4 and 5, where he chose yeah. us in him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined mm-hmm. us for adoptions as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. It's kind of hard to get around that. Well, you know, actually that passage never says that a person, say the name Danny or Pat Donahue, was chosen to be saved before the foundation of the world. Instead, it says he's chosen before the, a person is chosen before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. So it never says, of course, I believe in predestination, but it never said God predestines that he picks out a person by name and he's going to be saved uh, without any choice on, on the matter. It never, that's not what Ephesians 4, 1 verse 4 teaches, does it, Danny? I, I don't see that in the, the verse. Word, you can go all through the word when it talks about um, God choosing who he wants to and who he doesn't. Yeah. There's multiple yeah. and there's stories that uh, relate to that. Even Paul when he uh, was on the road to Damascus and the light shined down on him and he fell to the ground, I don't know how much choice he had in that as far as, you know, uh, the light shining on him and uh, the things that happened that after blinded him, the scales on his eyes, the the instructions that he got. uh, That's where I am on Calvinism. Where, You know, how much choice did Paul have in that? He said, well, okay, God, no, I'm not going to do that. Yeah, he did. He had a complete choice. Now, he didn't have a choice about, you're right, Jesus appeared to him. He didn't have a choice, but he had a choice whether or not to accept Christ or not. Certainly he did. There's nothing to indicate otherwise. Now, let me ask you about a passage, Danny. Here's Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9. It's talking about Jesus. It says, but we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, 
crowned with glory and honor, that he that by the grace of God should taste death for every man. Now I want to ask you, how can you get any clearer than that, that Jesus died for every man? There's no, quote, limited atonement. Jesus only died for Danny, but not for Pat. He died for everybody, which implies everybody has an opportunity to become a Christian. It's their choice because he died for everybody. Doesn't it say in Hebrews 2, 9, Danny, that he died for every man? He tasted death for every man? Um, I hear you. It's just yeah. blind. And so, yes. And so Paul definitely, you, you, you used Paul and you said Paul didn't have a choice, but you asserted that. I love you, Danny, but that's just not true. Paul okay. had complete How choice. choice do we have? Is there's multiple, multiple situations in the Old Testament and New Testament uh, where it seems, you know, God's in total control. And uh, yes, uh, Danny, that's right. God's in That's right. And so, if God's in total control, and He says in Joshua twenty four fifteen that I'm going to give you a choice, then we should let God do what he wants. God says that everybody has a choice about whether or not they're going to be saved or not. And so if we try to take that choice, if we try to say, no, God, we're not going to let you have that choice, then we're not letting God have complete control. God is sovereign. He's in complete control. And what he has said and taught is, I'm going to let man have a choice. And that's what he controls. Jesus died for every man, Hebrews 2, 9. That means every single person has the opportunity to be saved. It's it's their choice, John 3, 16, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And so if we're going to let God have complete control, and he says he wants it to be that Jesus dies for every man so that anybody can choose whether to be safe or not, if we try to take that choice away from him, then we're not letting God have complete control. We're saying, God, we're not going to let you have complete control. We're going to, we want to force you to have to pick people out against their will, whether to be saved or not. And so we're trying to not let God have complete control. Second Peter 3, verse 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So God wants every single person to come to repentance and avoid perishing. Now, that's the exact opposite teaching of Calvinism, which teaches that God doesn't want everybody to avoid perishing. He's not going to let some people repent. Only the elect can repent and be saved because Jesus didn't die for the non-elect. This verse says that he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The Bible is so clear on this, and it teaches it on every page. Every page refutes Calvinism in this idea that God predestinated a certain person, Danny or Pat, to be saved, and they don't have any choice in the matter. Bible teaches nothing like that at all. It's something that somebody made up because they don't want to live the way God wants them to live. They want to teach that God's going to save the elect regardless of how he lives so they can live the way they want to live and still be saved. Calvinism is just wishful thinking. That's what once saved, always saved is, wishful thinking. We looked at James 5, 19 and 20, talking about to Christians, brethren, if a person errs from the truth, if he's not converted back, he's going to lose his soul. Calvinism says no, he can't lose his soul. Once he becomes a Christian, once saved, always saved. But James 5, 19 and 20 refutes Calvinism directly and clearly. Billy from California, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Okay, my Bible question is, can you hear me? 
Yes, I can. Thanks for your call, okay. Billy. Okay. All right. Now, it's two of them. But one of the passages that says uh, when two or more gather in my name, I'm in the midst of them. Well, what, what mm-hmm. exactly does that pertain to? That, that's number one. And the second one is, are we going against God's command to assemble when a health department shut the church down and without wearing masks? Would, that, would, would you go against God by by refusing to do, by, you know, is there a, would you be against the dissembling if you didn't do that? Would it be against, like, the, you know, the word? You, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, Billy, I think you got two good questions here. And that passage you're referring to is Matthew eighteen twenty. It says, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. That's at the end of where he's talking about a person that sins against uh, say a Christian, and and you're supposed to go to that brother, verse sixteen, verse fifteen, and go to him and try to get that person to repent. If he won't hear you, you take with two or three more. If he won't hear the two or three more with you, you tell it to the church, and then you basically, if he won't listen to the church, here's a person that's in sin. You basically have to withdraw from him. Okay, it says where two or three are gathered in my name, there shall I be in the midst of them. So. It's just basically saying that in this case, that since two or three agree that person is, uh, is, is in sin, then, uh, then the Lord is with them as long as they're teaching the truth. Now, as far as your question about assembling and under the rules of COVID, the congregation I'm with, we've met all the way through. Now we have cut our services down to one service a week and, uh, just for one hour. So we do the Lord's Supper, just like Acts 20, verse 7 tells us to. On the first day of the week, the disciples in Acts 20, verse 7, 7 gathered on the first day of the week to break bread and have preaching. So we do that. We come together for the Lord's Supper. We have preaching. We've cut the number of the, the services down to one hour a week. And we, but we do meet just as the Lord directs. And we try to be safe. We try to sit six feet apart with masks. And I think I would just feel like uh, I would feel um, like I wasn't really following what the Lord said if we did not meet on the first day of the week as the Lord directs. You follow what I'm saying, Billy? Yeah, I understand. But okay, what if it's a health, uh, public, public uh, uh, health problem? Well, would suppose that go God would that go against God? Suppose you're in China. And, and, and you know that God wants you to meet as a church. And then China, China, they say, if we catch you meeting, we're going to execute you. What would you do? Oh, no, that's, pre- that's totally different. That's totally well, that, different. That's a pretty big that's health totally problem. Well, that's well, a pretty big no, health no, problem. I'm, I'm talking about a pandemic. A pandemic. Yeah. Just, we, okay, just, just like back in the 20s when they had to, what, they, what do they call that? The, the black uh, plague Spanish or flu. something like Spanish that? Spanish flu. Yeah, the Spanish, Spanish flu. flu in the 1920s. Now, now, okay, now, what if it was a Spanish flu and, you know, and everybody dying around you, would you assemble with people? Well, in, do we expect the people in China to meet even though they're at threat of death? I mean, they they got oh. a lot more danger. The people in China are in a lot more danger than we are with the, with but this I COVID see, thing. But that's not a, but, 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 okay, now. That's you say it's different. I know it's I'm worse. It's that's worse in China. They're going to kill you. They're going to execute you yeah, but, if they catch you meeting. Yeah, but so, see, 
Well, we you can't know, ex- I would meet. No, 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 no. In China, I would meet because, you know, uh, God said to meet. But if you got a health problem, that's what I'm saying, that will cause people to die. Would yeah. God be, be? Would God be take that against you? Well, I know that God commands us. He says not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together, Hebrews ten twenty five. And I know that we need to obey God, no matter what the consequences. And the people in China have a greater health problem than we do because they're going to be killed if this. And we just might get sick. You know, people are going to die. Yeah, with COVID, but. We're going to get sick, but if we're real careful, maybe no, so nobody will get no, but maybe nobody will die. Okay. So, if you have a Bible question or comment, please call us at eight seven seven six five five six seven five five. The number to call if you have a Bible question or comment is eight seven seven six five five six seven five five. We're talking about ways that a brother in Christ could err from the truth or wander from the truth, as James five nineteen and twenty is talking about. And that brother errs from the truth. If he's not converted back, his soul is going to die. So obviously, once saved, always saved is not true. And that's one of the major tenets of Calvinism. So Calvinism obviously is false. Here's another way that a a brother, a Christian, could err from the truth and lose his soul. How about a saint who is divorced and remarried in violation of Matthew 19.9? Jesus said there, and I say unto you, whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, committeth adultery. And whoso marrieth her, which is put away, doth commit adultery. And I've been married to Carol for 32 years. Let's say I divorce her for, quote, incompatibility, which is the most common cause of divorce in the United States. I divorce her for incompatibility, and I marry again, say, marry Betty. Then Jesus says that marriage to Betty is adulterous. Adultery is a sexual sin. Every time then I sleep with Betty, I'm committing adultery. So I'm going to have to terminate that marriage with Betty. I can't just say I'm sorry and continue in that adulterous relationship. Well, what about a Christian who divorces his wife and marries another woman? He's living in adultery, according to Jesus. So he errs from the truth. He wanders from the truth. His soul's going to die if he's not converted back, according to James 5, 19, 20. The Bible doesn't say, well, he was a Christian at one time. And since he's been a Christian at one time, he can commit these sins and his soul won't die. That's like becoming a Christian is a license to sin. Better not to become a Christian. I mean, uh, I mean, bec- become a Christian because then you have a license to sin. Because once you're a Christian, you can sin all you want to and still be saved. That's the once saved, always saved position. But here, this verse says, if we err from the truth, if a Christian leaves his wife and marries another, he commits adultery. And we just read a passage in 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9 and 10, that says adulterers will not inherit the kingdom of God. So here's a Christian that becomes an adulterer. He's not going to inherit the kingdom of God. He errs from the truth. Number three way a person could err from the truth. What about a church who allows women to preach from the pulpit? Isn't that erring from the truth? First Timothy 2, 11 and 12 says, Let the woman learn in silence with all subjection, but I suffer not or allow not a woman to teach, nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. Let me mention the number again. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. The number to call if you have a Bible question or comment is 877-655-6755. So here you have a church. Maybe they're a sound, faithful church. But 
they decide maybe because of political correctness reasons, they're going to allow women to preach in the church services. That violates 1 Timothy 2, 11 and 12, the passage we just read. It violates 1 Corinthians 14, 34 and 35. It says a woman is not to speak in the church. It's a shame for women to speak in the church. So that church has erred from the truth. What does James 5, 19 and 20 say about them? If they've erred from the truth, well, if they're not converted back, if they don't repent, they're going to lose their soul. Their soul's going to die. Doesn't matter that they were Christians at one time. It still says their soul's going to die. It didn't say their soul's going to die if they were never were Christians. No, it's talking to brethren. These are Christians who erred from the truth. And it says their soul is going to die if they don't repent, if they're not converted back. So this is Christians who erred from the truth and lost their salvation. That would be like a church who starts to allow women to preach from the pulpit. They're erring. They're wandering from the truth. Unless they're converted back, unless they repent, they're going to lose their soul. What about a church? Maybe they're a faithful church, but then they start, for some reason, they start practicing sprinkling for baptism. Well, Romans 6, 4 through 5 says, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. This says we're buried with Christ in baptism. When somebody dies and we take him out to the graveyard to bury him, does that mean we sprinkle a little dirt on their head? Or does that mean we put them all the way up under the ground? We know what buried means. So when we bury somebody in baptism, it's not going to just be sprinkle a little water on their head. It's going to be put them all the way up under the water. What about a church that used to hold to the truth, but they changed and started practicing sprinkling for baptism? Aren't they erring from the truth? Aren't they wandering from the truth? What does James 5, 19 through 20 say about these brethren, these Christians? Well, they've erred from the truth. If they're not converted back, if they don't repent, they're going to lose their soul. Their soul's going to die. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. The numbers, the lines are wide open. Give us a call if you have a Bible question or comment, 877-655-6755. What about a church that starts practicing infant baptism? Well, in Acts 8, the eunuch is being preached. The, the, Philip is preaching Jesus to the eunuch. Acts 8, 36 and 37 said, and as they went on their way, they came into a certain water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. So the eunuch wants to be baptized. Philip said, if you believe, you may. May what? Be baptized, which would imply if you don't believe, you may not be baptized. Yet we have all these churches that practice, they baptize infants. Infants, there's no way they can believe. So obviously these churches have erred from the truth. If they were saved at one time, what happens? Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth or wonder from the truth, we're to try to convert them back. If they're not converted back, if they don't repent, their soul's going to die, according to James 5, 19 and 20. Cornelius from Canada, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Yeah, so, yeah, my question is... uh... Biblically looking at it, like this when the police come to your church and uh, and just don't let you assemble there, like how how do they have rightful to do that when God is above all? Like how can we, how is it biblically, how do you look at it? Like obviously you don't want to fight against, you know, uh, the officers or anything, but we still have to stand for God first. So how how would you biblically look into that? You know, the authorities told Peter and the rest of those guys then they couldn't preach in Acts chapter 5 
And Peter said, and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. So if the government tells us we can't do something that the Bible tells us we have to do, we're going to have to obey God rather than men. Cornelius, i got to go off the air in less than a minute, so I'm going to let you go, okay? Okay, thanks. Thank you for your call. Thank you for your good call. What about a church that teaches once saved, always saved? Haven't they erred from the truth? James 5, 19 through 20 teaches they have. It says, brethren, if any of you do err from the truth and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. So if brethren, Christians, wander from the truth and they refuse to be converted back, they refuse to repent, their soul's going to die. They're going to be lost. So the once saved, always saved position is just patently false. Bible teaches on almost every page that that is false. And if somebody starts teaching that, they lose their salvation. If you want a free one-hour phone Bible study, call or text me at 256-682-9753. 